Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. There's a long tradition of storytelling around Pittsburgh's neighborhoods. Friend of the podcast, Rixie Back, has made an entire career of it. And we think that's an apt comparison to the fellow we're talking to today. Dean Bogg has had more than a million and a half views on his 100 YouTube videos. And dozens of them focus on places and spaces that he thinks are really special here in the Berg. But just as excitement for his videos was at its zenith, the pandemic hit and Dean himself went through a pretty enormous life change. Today, we're talking to him about Pittsburgh superlatives, his time away from the camera, his newest neighborhoods videos, yes, they are back, and what his fans can look forward to in 2024. It's Wednesday, January 3rd. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. Dean Bogg, it is so lovely to meet you. It is lovely to meet you as well. You're from Jersey originally. What brought you to Pittsburgh in the first place? Just Pitt. You know, I I came out here on like the gloomiest winter February day with my mom. It was like 29 (laughs) degrees and it was raining and we toured the campus and like I immediately knew it was kind of where I wanted to be. It was like all of the intangible elements that make up a place. I just it just felt right. I'm glad Pittsburgh gave you an appropriate picture of what you were walking into. Weather was right. right. You know, it was like if I like (laughs) it, if I like it this much on a terrible day in February, I'm sure I'll like it in the summer and fall and whatnot. Well, I want to talk about, you know, some of your early filmmaking work. You started releasing these beautifully immersive short documentaries about Pittsburgh neighborhoods on YouTube, I guess about four years ago now. What got you so invested in exploring these spaces and then documenting them for other people? You know, when you go to Pitt, you're, you are spending 99% of your time on campus. So I was kind of like, I'd gotten a bicycle and I was starting to explore Pittsburgh and I would go out and just have the best time and um, kind of decided like, you know, I'm having all these wonderful experiences, like it would be worth documenting some of this and um, sharing it with people and trying to capture it and, and just turn. I, w- I was so in love with the city because, you know, and I'm coming at it from an outsider's perspective. It's a little harder to like feel that your hometown is magical. Mm-hmm. And I think because I was new to Pittsburgh. I was seeing it with fresh eyes and seeing like the wonder of it all. And um, now now Pittsburgh feels more like home. So I've like had to find like different sources of motivation. Did you have a goal when you first got started doing these short docs? Well, the goal originally was to do five neighborhoods. Yeah. I think the goal was to make something that was watchable, you know, make something more so for an audience. I had been making a lot of these like kind of just experimental videos and Um, I kind of wanted to take everything that I had learned from those experimental videos and kind of this like style that I was defining and put it into something bigger that was meant to be, you know, package it for an audience, make something more watchable and also just showcase the city that I had, you know, come to love so much. Yeah. I mean, the first official installment of Neighborhoods, I guess, was Bloomfield. Um, what made you pick that one? It's It seems hard to pick a neighborhood when there's 90 to choose from, 90 official ones to choose from. I think Bloomfield was probably like one of the first places I explored. 
I was like spending a lot of time at Cranick's bike shop and it's, it's close to Oakland, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I was living in Oakland at the time, like having just graduated from Pitt and, uh, there's also just a ton going on there and it's, it is a really, really cool neighborhood for lack of a better word. And it was a favorite, favorite neighborhood of mine. So it was like a place that I wanted to spend time, uh, and I felt like it was a good place to start. It's also kind of smack dab in the middle of everything. Yeah. What was your creative process when you first got started? Because, like, again, with that pace and, you know, I, I admire, like, the work ethic you were putting in. Because, like, some of those videos, you're wearing the same outfit in every shot. Like, did you do them all in one day? Definitely not. I definitely would wear, <laughs> yeah, I would have, like, a weekly outfit that I would put on. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, it was, like, go out gather footage and kind of think and talk to people and figure out like what I wanted to say about the neighborhood. And a lot of times, a lot of times when I would go out and ask somebody for an interview, they would say, I'm happy to talk to you, but I don't want to do it on camera. So like I would be able to gather information from them as well. And then I can kind of try to get a sense of how everyone is feeling about the place, what's going on at the place, and then kind of write my little you know, script and then go, you know, filming myself talking was usually like the last thing I would do. Um, Yeah. Did you Google a lot beforehand? Like for neighborhoods, you know, really well, that's one thing. But like, for example, I'm thinking of your um, your Dormont one. Like, it's very clear that you didn't you didn't have like immediate familiarity with that. Like you felt like watching it feels like you're discovering it alongside you. I definitely did some Googling, but not not that much. I, I It was more so that I would meet someone that would kind of crack the neighborhood open for me, and they would be able to connect me to people, tell me about places, tell me where to go. Um, you know, one of the things I would often ask people is like, what would you want to see in a 15-minute documentary about your neighborhood? Like, what should I put in here? Um, who should I talk to? It usually didn't take that long before I met someone who was like the unofficial mayor of the place or like yeah. could connect me to the unofficial mayor of the place. Did you feel like a spark or something? I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to romanticize it, but like at what point do you feel like you, okay, I got enough. Like, I feel like I know the essence now I can do this. I definitely, there were definitely like a lot of times where I would be leaving a neighborhood like pumping my fist in the air and like howling (laughs) on my bicycle, just like full of endorphins and adrenaline and the sense of accomplishment. That was like, you know, those were pretty far and few between. Most of it was not that exciting. So you did these interviews and you connected with these, you know, unofficial mayors. It seems like reception was really positive online, at least most of what I've seen. What about people from the neighborhoods? Like, did anybody ever watch it and get back to you and have feedback of any kind? Feedback was typically positive. One of the not so great things about the project is that I would like, especially when I was doing it weekly, I've kind of started taking a longer approach to the project lately. But when I was doing them weekly, it was kind of like I would spend a week in the neighborhood, get to know people really well and then leave and move on to another neighborhood and, you know, occasionally go back. But, you know, you can't maintain connections with you can only maintain connections with with so many people. Um, and yeah, people would definitely send notes and um I try to like I've been and I've been trying more so to distance myself from any sort of reaction, you know, whether a video gets a lot of views or doesn't get any views or if the comments are positive or, you know, um, if they're not just trying to kind of distance myself from that and, and focus on the process of making them more. You've done what, like 
15, 16, 17 of these videos um, before the pandemic. Is that about right? Yes, I think I was I think I had done like 17 before COVID hit. Yeah. And then at the beginning of the pandemic in May of 2020, you have this climbing accident that shattered a very important bone in your foot because you've talked about it on YouTube. There's a very long video that explains the whole thing. Um, I hope people watch it. But how has that changed kind of how you see things? Because it does force a different pace to life, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's like that's a good way of phrasing it is that forces a different pace to life. Um. Yeah, it changed like everything pretty much. Um, <laughs> it changed, I think, like my desires shifted from like looking for self-fulfillment and like looking to go and be an artist and make these videos and like really push myself to wanting like a bit of an income and a, a, like a support system and like... A, a cozy house, you know, I, I think I was less like hungry to go and get after it and more so just like looking to, yeah, like cover my bases and spend time with my friends and kind of slow down. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been trying to like find different avenues to make things and, and also find different motivations and I think less egotistical motivations um, for making things and making things at a more manageable pace, which may or may not be a good thing and may or may not be working. <laughs> well, do you think they're working? I mean, you're, I feel like you're the most important piece of that to decide whether it is or it isn't. I guess so. I think, um, I guess I, it felt very good to kind of continue to put some episodes out this summer. Um, mm -hmm. Since the you weather... came back after that three-year hiatus. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, I felt almost um, like the neighborhoods format was so stale and I didn't want to just keep making more neighborhoods. But at the same time, I had no better ideas. So I was like, you know what, <laughs> let me just start where I left off and then let the work evolve from there. Um, so it felt really good to put some things out again and to try some different things. The winter, I'm kind of thinking for the winter, I'm not going to spend much time working on neighborhoods. And I think and maybe thinking of neighborhoods more as like a seasonal thing. Like also Pittsburgh is beautiful in the winter and I love it so much, but it is also dreary and like people are indoors, you know, there's not, it's mm -hmm. a lot harder to just kind of like have those um, random interactions with folks when everyone's tucked inside or, or doesn't want to stand outside in the cold talking to me. <laughs> I bet. Um, well, keeping in mind, of course, that this neighborhood series may be more seasonal going forward. I did also want to ask about the change in format lately. Some of the newer videos like Hazelwood and the Strip District, they don't really feel like the first season as much. Like your older work and the newer stuff, they both have these beautiful, long panning shots, aerials from a drone, and your really pretty sort of subtle detail shots, sunlight twinkling through a spider web, that kind of thing. But the new stuff, it also kind of felt like a departure. No jokes, none of your personal commentary. You used to rate the neighborhoods. You had a bicycle test. I'm curious about that evolution and why these new episodes feel different. Both the Hazelwood episode and the Strip District episode, I did not include myself in. I think just so I, I really find that when I 
stop talking, my filmmaking gets a lot better because I cannot use my words to say what I'm trying to say. So that means I have to use music and um, pacing and the color grading and just all of those filmmaking elements to to try to say what I want to say. Um, and it's a really good exercise for me to take myself out of them. It's a lot it's a lot easier to just kind of weave the story together with my own narration. I think the feedback has generally been like, we love these new videos, but we also like it better when you are in them and narrating and adding, you know, uh, YouTube videos kind of lend themselves towards having like a YouTube personality in them. So mm -hmm. if when I pull myself out of them, they're a little less YouTube-y and more kind of traditional docs. I, I don't know if I'll continue with that or if I'll go back and forth, but uh, it's also like a little like putting myself in them is like one of the more is one of the things that I kind of get tripped up on. And like thinking like, oh my God, like, is this cringy? Like, am I being like egotistical here? Like, do I have any um, right in telling the story of a historically black neighborhood? Like, who am I to put myself on on camera and kind of talk about these goof, like interject with these goofy little tidbits when when the subject material is quite serious? Um, I don't know what the, what the future of neighborhoods holds, I think. Um, uh, but I would like to kind of, yeah, keep keep producing them and keep them moving and and, you know, hopefully cover maybe eventually all 90 neighborhoods by the time I'm <laughs> dead. Hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet, Fat Ham follows a young, queer black man named Juicy, whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. So let's get into some fun stuff. Please don't think too deeply about this. We, we love off-the-cuff answers. Um, if you don't mind disclosing, which neighborhood do you live in currently? I live in the East End. Um, in the past, I've lived in Oakland, I've lived in The Run, and I've lived in Highland Park. Okay, uh, the East End. Uh, is there a neighborhood that you feel, I don't know, more spiritually aligned with in the city of Pittsburgh? I have a close relationship with The Run. Something about being under the bridge and being right next to Shenley Park, being down in this little hidden valley with one way in, one way out. It was like a really magical place to live. That's kind of where I was living when I was producing most of the Neighborhoods episodes. Mm -hmm. It's just got a really magical element to it. I don't know if it necessarily like spiritually aligns with me or, <laughs> or if it fits the question exactly, but I guess I would say the run. I've seen uh, Big Jim's is is my one touchstone to the run. I've yes. been there many times. <laughs> a lot of people know it from from Big Jim's, which is a wonderful spot. And I yeah, highly recommend going. The uh, the largest plates of Italian food, more than you can reasonably eat in two sittings. Definitely, and the sweetest sweetest staff. They are really wonderful folks down there. What has been the trickiest neighborhood to document? I think the trickiest neighborhoods to document are neighborhoods that are struggling a bit more. Um, and uh, I have to come at it with a lot more care and attention. 
And I think the tone of the videos typically shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I'm a kind of a middle class white kid. So I need to be really cautious about about how I approach those neighborhoods. Um, but I also think that those often lead to the best films um, because there is often a lot more passion and uh, um, in those neighborhoods. I think people are typically more down to earth and more honest and more real um, and less material. Yeah. I hear your cats fighting in the background. I, I feel like they were giving you like the thumbs up, you know, in their own <laughs> way. That's Sibby and Celeste. They're very, they're great cats. They're technically my roommate's cats, but they also, they feel like my cats at this point. <laughs> um, are there any neighborhoods that are maybe top of your list for the future? Like you just want, there's some piece of it or something you like that you're like, I'm, I'm looking forward to that whenever it does come around. Yeah, I'm excited to do Garfield. I live close to Garfield, so I'm excited to do Garfield. Um, Troy Hill has been on my list for some time. Duck Hollow is a tiny little neighborhood that I've filmed in a couple times. It's a good list. Uh, any Pittsburgh gyms that you think folks should just absolutely check out? It could be any neighborhood, but like things that maybe it's not the whole neighborhood yet, but like a piece of something. You just can't wait to point a camera at it. Definitely. The Pittsburgh Steps, without a doubt, are... But you have done a documentary about that. I have, but it was kind of a long time ago, and I still think people <laughs> underutilize the steps. Like, they are, they often have, like, really wonderful views and vistas, um, and, yeah, it allows you to access a part of Pittsburgh, a part of our city that is typically completely unaccessible, which are these crazy steep hillsides, Um yeah, I love, we've got a great set of steps near our house, and it's just a really nice place to go and sit and hang out. Are there any neighborhoods that, for whatever reason, maybe intimidate you a little bit as a storyteller? I think, like, the bigger neighborhoods, like, Squirrel Hill is definitely intimidating because it's just, like, so massive and there's so much going on. Um, Anything that has, like, a north, south, east, west, central situation with the name? Right, right, totally. I mean, the, the strip was also intimidating because there's a lot going on, and it's like, yeah, you could, you know, you could make a, a feature-length documentary about the strip, no problem. So, yeah, the, some of the bigger neighborhoods are are tough because there's just so much to talk about, and inevitably, you're going to have to cut things out that are really important pieces of that neighborhood. Do you have any advice for people who are maybe new to the city, like you were once, um, who maybe need a little push? to get outside their familiar spaces? My number one piece of advice would be to purchase a bicycle or an e-bicycle. I think it is by far the best way to travel around the city. You can wander when you're on a bike. And if you see something interesting, you can stop immediately and turn around or go back and just kind of be at the beck and call of the universe is, you know, as kind of cheesy as that sounds, but it is really the best way to get around and, uh, if you're someone who's like, oh, I don't want to bike up these hills, get an e-bike. You know, a bike or an e-bike will cost you about what one trip to the mechanic costs. You know, they're so much cheaper than cars. Um, cars, driving makes me miserable. I get so angry and frustrated <laughs> and everyone is miserable driving. And I just, yeah, would love to see more people on bikes. It's a great way to explore. I know we've talked a lot about filmmaking, but do you have any particular goals for the future outside that realm? You know, tis the season for that sort of thing. Um, this is going to be, okay, I'll give you like a mega cheesy answer, um, which is like what I write in my notebook every day. 
and this is going to like, oh, this is super cringy, but it is, I write at the end of every day in my notebook, I write BKWH, which means be kind when it's hard. I, the, the acronym reads be kind when hard, which sounds like be kind when you are erect, which is not <laughs> the, what it's meaning is it's be kind when it's hard. Also, yeah, but it basically means like the only time it actually, it actually matters to be nice is when you're really, really ticked off. It's, I think it's a good mantra. So I guess that is my, my goal to continue to trying to kind of recognize when I'm pissed and catch it and be nice. Is there a situation that is more likely to bring that peace out of you? Driving, you know, and also just like intimate relationships, you know, it's, I've, I've, it's hard to be in, it's hard to have close friends. It's hard to have a family. It's hard to, you know, have maintain intimate, healthy relationships. So, you know, people get under each other's skin and, and, uh, having roommates, plenty of opportunity to be frustrated and not, and not let it out. Do you mind teasing your upcoming work? Um, can we know a little bit about whatever it is? Totally. So it's, um, it's a short film. It could also potentially function as a pilot. Um, there's a writer named George Saunders. I'm not like a, a literary person necessarily, but he has perhaps become my favorite creative writer. There's also a screenwriter. His name's Reed Agnew, um, who is has adapted one of George's short stories into a script, and that is kind of the project. This the name of the short film, or sorry, the name of the short story is called Sticks. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to use the same name for the short film. Yeah. It's about kind of a depressed dad who's using the language from the short story is his only concession to glee is decorating this metal pole in this front yard. Um, it's kind of his one creative outlet and it feels like Pittsburgh is the perfect place for the story. You know, it's kind <laughs> of a grim story. We are in the process. We we've kind of, we we're just getting to a locked script. There's so many moving pieces, and there's so many people involved. And with like with neighborhoods, it was just me and my camera backpack, and I could just go out and make it happen. But all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, I spent today scrambling to try to get the appropriate insurance to rent this ridiculous cinema camera from this rental house here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's just so different, and it feels great you know it's 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 a new medium even though it's still filmmaking it feels like a totally new medium any idea about a uh a time when you're going to be shooting let alone release something we'll we'll shoot january february and then who knows when we'll release it i mean i think yeah these things do take longer than just making a youtube video um maybe in the spring or summer yeah is there any way that you would like people to participate maybe in what you're doing, like to interact with the videos or support you in some way? So, I mean, I, I do play for tips. I have I have a <laughs> Patreon so people can give five dollars a month, ten dollars a month, whatever, if they want. Um, I genuinely appreciate how many people comment on the videos and like the videos and watch the videos so outside of that not really but i it does truly make me feel you know like i have a sense of purpose because there are people who watch these videos and who appreciate them 
Well, we'll make sure we link your Patreon in our show notes uh, and people can find your neighborhood series and more on YouTube. Dean, thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself with the city and with CityCast Pittsburgh. Thank you so much, Megan. And thank you, Sophia. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you like what producer Sophia Lowe and I did here, please recommend the podcast to someone. And if you're already a huge fan, consider becoming a member. You can find all the details on ad-free listening and more at membership.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you in soon. So if you have any strong, if you feel like it, you're welcome to come back and we won't ask you like, you know, prying emotional questions. We'll just talk about sledding. I like prying emotional questions.